Hey everyone, welcome to episode 110 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is a mostly recovered yeah, Collins Yeah, you know, I'd say so. We're, we're recording on Friday, which is pretty unusual for us, yeah. but it's mostly because my voice has been very gone for the majority of the week. It's a, a podcasting injury. You yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had to recover. On, on the injured reserve list for uh, <laughs> voice purposes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like I'm mostly back, which is good. So, yeah, I'm ready to talk about some, some magic. Yeah. You do sound a little froggy, so I'll try to... Yeah. You know, as 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 difficult as it is for me to talk, you know, the whole time, <laughs> just keep keep going. Yeah, you, know, I'll you got to... you got this. One. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it feels like a long time ago now, but yeah. you just top eight at SCG Dallas. Top eight number ten. That's nice. Feels... Super round and even. <laughs> feels good. And yeah. this is episode one ten. <clears throat> Perfect timing. Yes. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All the numbers are adding up. So. Um, <clears throat> Not just you top aided, but you, Dylan, and Zan all top aided the tournament yes. with the same seventy five or Played. almost identical. The same seventy three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we all played Burn, mm-hmm. uh, which was great, uh, and it was kind of my baby, mm-hmm. uh, which also felt good. I, um, you know, uh, it, so this was the first open since the Hogak banning and the unbanning of Stoneforge Mystic. Yep. So you know, we were all kind of scrambling to figure out where we wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. And the testing over the course of the week was kind of a roller coaster ride because they unbanned Stoneforge Mystic, which means Batter Skulls are going to be everywhere. So, you know, my first instinct is, oh no, Burn's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Better test a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But throughout the week, we slowly discovered that Burn actually had a pretty good matchup against the Stoneforge Mystic decks and, you know, continued to crush pretty much everything else as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we just kind of determined that that was the best strategy. I was able to convince Jeremy, Dylan, and Zan to play it, and we had a fantastic weekend. Yeah, yeah, and Jeremy was live for, yeah, he was 10-1 and one yeah. at one point and just kind of had some bad beats that he ran into towards the end. <laughs> yeah, final standings don't really indicate how much he was also crushing the tournament with mm-hmm. us through pretty much the entire time. He was like 10-1 and one at some point. Yeah, You know, the wheels fell off in the last two rounds for him, uh, which kind of felt familiar to uh, kind of felt similar to my previous tournament with my previous open with Burn, where mm-hmm. uh, I was X and three with two rounds remaining and lost, lost for like a medium minus record, but uh, still, still a good finish. Still got those SCG points, yeah. which are becoming more and more relevant to yeah. all of us. We're getting closer. We're getting <laughs> yeah. to that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we got a double IQ weekend locally here. You don't even have to go anywhere. I'm very excited. Do that yeah. double IQ weekend. <laughs> Yeah, all the traveling that we've been doing, and Ugh. now it's just going to be two two nice close IQs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Sleep in your own bed every night. Oh man, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, that's nice. But yeah, burnt. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a lot more nuance to say about it, other than the you know things that we talked about last week. Once we figured out that you could beat the Stoneforge Mystic decks, mm-hmm. every everything else felt pretty pretty close to to really good well and i mean some specific stuff about your build you know Mm -hmm. no main deck skull cracks all main deck Mm -hmm. lightning helixes yeah um which to me is an indicator that like this is a fine time to play burn if you're not trying to main deck skull crack no for sure yes we we started off believing that we needed skull cracks in the main Mm -hmm. that slowly transitioned to like a 2-2 split and Mm -hmm. then by the end of the week we were like no skull crack is just a sideboard card yeah you know, we played them in our 75 this time, so, you know, <laughs> a little different than <laughs> what we were doing before. Yeah. But, 
But yeah, no, burn was burn was still great. Yep. And you'd plan for the mirror very heavily as well. Very heavily. Main yep. deck helixes and sideboard yep. four core firewalkers. Four core firewalkers. And we, uh, I opted to keep in deflecting palms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of like the the slots that we didn't agree on fully. Dylan played two deflecting palms. Uh, I played one deflecting palm and one uh, exquisite firecraft because mm-hmm. I just wanted an extra card for the blue decks. Yeah. And it, instead of either of those, Zan, Zan opted for uh, two season pyromancers. Season pyromancers <laughs> in his sideboard, which you know it's, it's classic Zan. You know I love that card. I yeah. saw it spoiled, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be like one of my new favorite cards. But Zan somehow just loves that card even more than I do. He's really got a signature spell at this point. Yes. Yeah. No. He loves season pyromancer, and I mean the card's great. And when you're playing Burn and you just dump your hand and then that's the last card you cast, it's really good. I'm sure that that's phenomenal. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. But I, you know, I wasn't really willing to pull the trigger on that one for the weekend. Well, congratulations on your top eight. Yep. Uh, definitely was a minefield at that point with like three of you. And so you ran into Dylan in the semifinals. I, yeah. I played Dylan in the semis. He got me. He managed to go all the way to the finals, mm-hmm. losing to Harlan. Losing to. The most absurd, like, top 1% draws like, <laughs> yeah. that Harlan's deck can produce. Yeah. yeah, Harlan was there to win that tournament. Yeah. And he, yeah, he really, he really showed. So, yeah, um, that was great. Full full turn two assemble Thopter and Sword. Right, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I love how Dylan just booked it to his flight. <laughs> it's a great, it, if you, like, that clip is on Twitter and Twitch and stuff, so mm-hmm. if you can pick it up but the the whole time patrick and cedric are talking about like dylan's got a flight to catch so he's probably going to try to get this done as quickly as possible right and then harlan plays the turn to thopter foundry and you, you hear patrick sullivan go dylan concede dylan concede and then dylan just picks up his cards <laughs> good job dylan yeah a, plan time a wise move <laughs> yeah no for sure yeah, so strong tournament for Lotus yeah. Box, strong tournament for Burn, mm-hmm. um, and we will definitely talk about modern going forward. Yeah, we got yeah. a couple of different topics today. Um, so we're gonna, well, first we're gonna hit on sort of the newsy stuff of the arena historic format and okay. the announcements surrounding that, and then we'll talk about modern. Then we'll mention legacy a little bit because you do have modern IQs, but the next open is legacy, yep. and then a legacy GP after that. So that's mainly what we're targeting at this point so we're going to preview it a little bit and then probably get into it more next week yeah um and we have a couple of uh thrones of eldraine spoilers as well yeah. so yeah thrones is looking to be quite the set it's an interesting one for sure it's something else yeah yeah that trailer is <laughs> good it's you know i liked the war of the spark trailer i thought it was cool i thought it was a good direction for magic but this one just has so much personality and Mm -hmm. you can tell like that when they were planning it out they were having a ton of fun with the idea of it and stuff and yeah yeah i really love it yeah the last trailer it was kind of cool that it was like it was kind of like the first like high budget Mm -hmm. trailer but you know in terms of like what was going on in the trailer and like all that stuff yeah it wasn't i wasn't that impressed right but in terms of like the you know the writing and all that stuff for this new trailer mm-hmm. they really you know and it was high budget so yeah. they really like knocked everything out of the park with this one which right was really nice right like the world of the war of the spark trailer felt a little empty and like mm-hmm. okay this is like generic MPG. yeah generic sad yeah. story of you know things are happening yeah but 
I mean, you you get the, like, oh, I see what's happening with Liliana. Like, it's cool that we're getting her story. But this one, like, from the perspective of the gingerbread folks yeah, and just no, the it way it's presented is so delightful. Yeah. We, we usually don't spend that much time talking about the flavor and the, the this story is a, stuff. This is a spiky podcast, yeah. Chris. We <laughs> yeah. need to get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> I, when we watched it and Jeremy hadn't seen it yet, and Garrick bursts through the door, and Jeremy just goes, my man! <laughs> just kind of the response that it doesn't matter who you are, you just yeah. kind of have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, before we get too into it, thank you so much to our patrons for supporting us and helping us out here. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I have spent a couple of afternoons stuffing envelopes. I've got a box full of envelopes over there with tokens and pins that I'm about to send out. Uh, it's on, happening. Yeah. It's happening. We, we've sent out a couple of shipments before, but this one is a really big one. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's only big because so many people have signed up recently. So yeah, that's, that's really huge for us. And we, we can't thank everybody enough. Yeah. Chris L is our newest patron. Uh, I, we may have a couple more. We'll get you on the next episode. So nice. <laughs> look out, look out for that one. Let's kick things off with a keeper mole. So this is one that Got some discussion in uh, a different Discord that we post in a friend's Discord. Got talked about a lot, and I have some, like, fundamental concepts, fundamental Keeper Mole concepts with this hand that I think are really important. So this is playing, like, a Blue Moon-type deck, Mm -hmm. which is a totally defensible type of deck to play in this, you know, new modern metagame. So I, you know, won't, won't... There's so much less shit talking you can do about decks these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like a blue moon list on the draw in the dark, and our hand is it's a one lander. We've got one spire bluff canal. We've got three ops, a serum visions, a snapcaster mage, and a jace. So we're on the draw. We really got to turn these cantrips into lands or draw lands. Mm-hmm. And my, I, I think this is a pretty clear mulligan. Okay. But the discussion was more about, like, how close it is or, like, sort of the fundamentals about, like, what you need to have happen in your first couple of turns and whether, you know, maybe this would have been a keep under the old mulligan rule, which I still, I don't think it was. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a clear mulligan under the London mulligan rule. Um, But these, like, really cantrip-heavy hands, if they are missing more than one thing, I think you need to be so careful about what you keep and what you what you choose not to keep. So here, we not only desperately need to find lands, mm-hmm. um, but we also need to find something to do in the early game. And we have nothing here. Right. A Snapcaster is not a thing. We have four cantrips that we're casting on the early turns. So we really need in our top, like, four-ish cards to be a land and a lightning bolt, or else we're probably going to die. Um, that doesn't feel super likely to me. Um, one other point that somebody had raised is, you know, if if we draw a land like off of the Serum Visions or we, we top a land off of the Serum Visions and we get there or we draw one on our turn, like, isn't this really the same as keeping a two land hand? And I think that's a line of thinking that's like a pretty big trap because number one, like we have to aim our cantrips at drawing that land, and then they're not aiming at drawing spells. And number two, it's not just about hitting the second land. Like, this hand in particular really needs to hit its fourth land drop. 
and a lot of these cantrips are going to be dedicated towards finding lands, that's going to interfere with your ability to interact early and also your ability to find the spells to interact early. And I think this hand ends up missing too much to be a thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I could see if we weren't in the dark and we knew that we were playing some slow matchup, mm -hmm. this could be a keep. But too many things have to go right for this hand to work anyways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're adding into that factor, we need to be playing like a slow-ish matchup where spinning our wheels for the first two to three turns of the game is fine. You know, like... Uh, if we if that was like a given, I could see keeping, but like having that need to be true in addition to us getting there on our cantrips, it's just too much to ask for. Just right. go ahead and mulligan. And on the dark, the odds that you're playing against a slow deck in modern mm -hmm. are... Yeah, not high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like blue-white control and kind of nothing else, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, because, you know, like Tron is just going to kill you. And... Yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, too, too few decks that this is really going to be functional against. So, yeah. This hand is like the definition of spinning your wheels. Yeah, and, and you know, new modern is a little bit slower than old modern. People are still trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. And if they play a Goblin Guide and this is your hand. Yeah, no, you're or, very dead. Or God, you... <laughs> God forbid an Eidolon or a Thalia. Oh, yeah, no, it's just over. And that, that the, the goal of this was not just to go on a tirade about, like, I can't believe anybody would keep this hand. But it's it's more about, like, really evaluating... Because I've definitely seen, you have to think about how your turns are going to play out with the cantrips. You can't just like translate the cantrips in your head to the mm -hmm. types of cards that you want. Yeah. One mana is still a mana. Yeah. And four mana with this hand is <laughs> yeah. four mana. Right. It's a lot. Okay. So I want to talk about the arena historic format announcement. And this is not the most relevant thing to Spiky Podcast because they kind of, through this announcement and stuff, have made it kind of clear that it's not a relevant format, which is a little bit disappointing. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely the idea of here, new magic format, is like something that I would be really exciting to me and, and would like to talk about. But to save your voice, I'll just sort of go over the specifics yeah. <laughs> of uh, what they did announce. So the Arena Historic format is going to be a non-rotating format starting with Ixalan block. So all of the sets that are rotating out of standard and then we add Thrones of Eldraine to it and then every set that comes after that, of course. Um, it's going to be available as a best of one unranked queue and then for like one month each quarter, you'll be able to play it in a best of three ranked queue. And then they'll have some like kind of gimmicky events like pauper versions of it or singleton versions of it or something like that. But it's not just this non-rotating format consisting of these the all the expansions from Ixalan forward. What they've said they're going to do is add somewhere between like 15 and 20 curated cards to the set directly every quarter. Um, and there was a tweet where they said, what do you think is going to be in historic? Where ideas include, and they named like Dark Confidant and Worm Coil Engine and like some pretty wild like modern power level cards. And going forward, crafting wild cards for historic, whether it's from sets that have rotated out of standard. So crafting Dominaria or Ixalan cards or crafting the new cards that they introduce each quarter uh, apparently will cost double wild cards in order to do 
which the player base has been pretty vocal about hating a lot. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. Like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> the, and, you know, a lot of people are positing that, like, that is in order to sort of kill Historic on arrival. That the only reason for Historic to exist is so that it's not your cards are just leaving your account, basically, when they rotate out of standard. There's right. a place you can technically play them, right. but they don't really want Historic to, like, take off hugely because they want to make sure you're buying packs of standard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really what's going on here or if it's just, like, an idea that they floated and somebody was like, oh, yeah, let's do that, and then they just <laughs> did it. Like, that honestly seems a little more likely to me to come out of Wizards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The One thing that might be true is that they were they might have been trying in some way i don't know i don't know why they would but trying in some way to like mirror the paper market of like oh yeah older formats are more expensive that's just how it is but that's a bug that's not a feature right yeah exactly <laughs> so right so why they're incorporating that in directly yeah I, I don't i don't know i wish i had more nuanced thoughts on this but it's just a bunch of question marks yeah same I, and i think most people feel about the same way yeah I, it's unlikely to me that it's this big conspiracy thing, but also, you know, like it's really hard for me to get excited about the existence of this format, even if it was just, hey, you know, use use your wild cards as normal. You only get to play it as an actual format with best of three and sideboarding, mm-hmm. like a a third of the time. Right. That Q just doesn't exist most of the time, yeah. even if you don't care about ranked. Like you simply cannot play best of three except by, like, playing with your friends. Uh, And I also am really nervous about this curated cards thing. It's just... And I don't know how much of it is just, like, okay, if I want to play this format, then I have to spend a bunch of money on wild cards every quarter in order to craft the new good things. If you're putting Wormcoil Engine in the format, then probably... You gotta play with it. You gotta play some (laughs) Wormcoil Engines. Yeah. But also, it, like, the idea of this, like, mega curated format where, like, you get to choose the good cards. And if you're choosing, like, modern power level cards, you're putting Path to Exile and Lightning Bolts and Dark Confidants in the format. Like, they're going to massively overshadow all of my four and five mana cards that rotated out of standard that I want to play, keep playing within Historic. Right. And you're just kind of deciding what the good cards are. Yeah. And that's not an exciting format to me, I don't think. Yeah. I'm getting told what to play at that point. Yeah, it definitely feels like a big whiff on this one. Like, you know, they're they're fulfilling their requirement for, oh, yeah, we said that technically you can still play with the cards that are rotating out. Mm-hmm. Here's Here it is, yeah. but nobody's going to play it. You can play with your cards <laughs> right. in this. But there's literally every reason not to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it feels like they definitely, like, could have if they chose to made this really, you know, cool format that, mm-hmm. you know, people could be invested in. But it seems like on pretty much every point, they just decided not to. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. all right, I'll could just probably continue to ignore this thing exists. Right. And then the question is just like, is that on purpose? Or is that just like some level of incompetence? And there's no real way of answering that from our perspective. I mean, perspective. the people that make these things are smart. Yeah, I you know I assume that there's you know they they've got to be some rhyme reason to something about it. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it's frustrating. It would be cool, but I assume that we will just never talk about historic on this podcast. Yep. So except for right now, except for this moment, it's over. <laughs> One of the things that bothers me here was a good point that I saw somebody make. Uh, it just feels like 
we have to fight a lot. Or at least there's like community outcry for a lot of the arena decisions and then they get pulled back. Like when they like reduced gold rewards or like the cards that you get when you open a new account and like do the new player experience or the they got rid of individual card rewards but then brought them back when people got mad. Mm-hmm. It took like a bunch of begging to get like duplicate card protection and wasn't there some tweet by some Oh man, my, my memory of this is very vague, so I'm probably going to get a lot of the details wrong. But yeah. uh, like some ex-employee tweeted about how like one of the ways that they made decisions in the past was they like, you know, announced a inflated price and expected there to be backlash and were like already willing to cut it in half. Do you remember anything like that? I don't remember a specific thing, but it's definitely, <laughs> it feels like that is kind of an industry standard technique like a lot of game companies kind of do this where they announce a thing it's deeply unpopular and then they get to be like hey look we listen to you when they do the thing they were like kind of planning to do all along right and it sort of feels like 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 them coming out and saying okay okay it's only going to cost one wild card for historic cars that's not really like oh cool they listen to us it's like well they did the thing that like the normal thing (laughs) yeah yeah. Okay, if I open a wild card, mm-hmm. and the wild card, like, says, basically, like, this is a mythic rare, this is any mythic rare, like, it doesn't make sense that now I need two of them to make a mythic rare. Like, that's just not the definition of what a wild card would be. Right. So I'm not going to give them any credit for walking it back and, like, doing that thing at some point. It's just kind of all, it's, it feels pretty disrespectful to the player base. Yeah, it does. It just kind of fundamentally just, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, we... We listen to y'all. And they, you know, credit where credit's due, they've done a lot of listening lately. Mm-hmm. And it's been very clear that they've done that, you know, in terms of a lot of, like, the, you know, the pro circuits and stuff like that. Yep. And that's good. And, yeah. and, and that's great. But this one feels pretty disrespectful in terms mm-hmm. of, like, especially if they do end up going, oh, yeah, okay, it's only one. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, come on, you know. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> of course it's only one. Right. Yep. But anyways. Anyways. All right. So... Let's move on to an actual format. Uh, Great. New Modern. So how does New Modern feel? Amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody's very happy with it. Um, you know, we... So we did crush it with Burn, but that... I think Burn's time in the sun is very limited. Um, I, the card that I saw the most that I just haven't seen in, like, years at this point, mm-hmm. I saw so many ley lines of Sanctity. You, you can't beat that card. You can't do it. <laughs> And I, I knew that forever ago, like back when, uh, you know, Hogak was pretty prevalent. I was like, all right, I'm playing Burn right now. Mm-hmm. And Burn is the best when you can just play Boros Burn. You mm-hmm. don't have to mess around with any enchantment removal because A, there are no Leyline of Sanctities in the format and, and there won't be while Hogak is in the format. No room. Yeah. yeah. That's a third tier um, sideboard card. Like yeah. Graveyard Hate, Artifact Hate, like special, like I'm not very good against Burn. I'm going to play four Leyline of Sanctity. There's no yeah. room for that when there's Hogak. Right. Yeah, and, you know, so during that time period, I kind of had it in the back of my mind of, like, I love Burn right now. It's not going to last forever Mm -hmm. because people are going to be able to, you know, hate this deck out. Yeah. And it feels like the time is now for, like, people have figured it out. People are like, okay, you know, everybody's playing Boros. Nobody's playing Destructive Revelry. Mm -hmm. You're cold to a Ley Line of Sanctity. So here you go. (laughs) So, and, yeah, so if if people are going to continue to play Burn, I think that you're probably going to have to switch to Green for Destructive Revelries if Mm -hmm. Leyline of Sanctity becomes prevalent. Um, I've seen a couple of lists cracking back out with Wild Nacatl again. Um, (laughs) 
I just made a face. You can't see that <laughs> yeah. in Chris podcast made a, form. Chris made a face. Yeah, I kind of agree with Chris's face, too. Wild McCoddle sucks a lot more now that we're trying to play a bunch of non-shock lands. Like, you know, our, mm-hmm. our mana base is now full of, you know, canopy lands and... Yeah, um, and inspiring, inspiring advantage. Games. And yeah. those those just don't work with Walnacottle. So um, Yeah, you have to go back to a pretty a way older, less yeah. powerful mana base. You probably don't get to run any fast lands mm-hmm. and you you have to run way more fetches mm-hmm. in order to A, make sure you have your green when you need it and and your your other stuff for the wild Nacoddle. So that all feels like, you know, we're pretty over that at this point so i think that, and that the the end result of that is like making your deck even way yeah, worse in the face of you're making skull. your deck much worse yeah for sure yeah so so burn was great i think it was a great like week one quote unquote deck but yeah just play aggro like every every yeah. standard week one you guys have played mono red done great like <laughs> yeah it's a it's a tried and true strategy it's it been just for works years. yeah everybody's deck is bad so kill them on turn four right yeah no absolutely um but I mean, just kind of like more holistically, my like what I've been hearing about modern from everybody is that everybody's like really excited about it, and mm-hmm. people are get to play all these new fun things mm-hmm. that are now like pretty reasonable. There's no like you know one super oppressive deck. There is one deck that's definitely in the conversation for best deck, mm-hmm. which is Warza, and that's kind of interesting to hear because I've I've like personally kind of gone up and down on my opinions of Warza. Yeah. You know, there were definitely times where I was in the Warza's just clearly the best deck. It's doing all these busted things camp. Mm-hmm. There have also been times where I've been like, Warza's like medium minus. <laughs> it's like not that impressive. It feels like it's, you know, it spins its wheels a lot. It doesn't really do a lot of proactive things. Yeah. You know, but based on what people are talking about, it does feel like it's going to rise to the top-ish. But it's I don't think it'll be super oppressive. Yeah. I think it'll be like... It might get to like twinner, Splinter Twin level of tier one deck, which could be... Which is like reasonable. It's like 10% of the format, mm-hmm. you know, and wins a lot kind of deal. But yeah. not, you know, not like what we have been seeing of like Hogak and, you know, Eldrazi. Just like, you know, nothing over the top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't think that any deck will quite rise to that level. I do think that this, like, idea that, ooh, Modern is now, like, a brewer's paradise sort of thing, like, that, the format's going to compress back down and just give it a minute. Some of these cards and some of these decks are way more powerful than some of the other nonsense. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So the the stuff that has seemed to be kind of rising to the top here. So obviously, Burn was great for that tournament week one. Yeah. It wasn't really great for the rest of the tournament's that weekend because i think like magic online caught on so like modern challenge and the modern ptq there were just a lot of leylands of sanctity in those lists and so i would be a little bit you know you got to think about your burn choice going forward stoneforge mystic while it did not make top eight at the open was in i think the ninth through 12th place decks in the open and two of those were tiebreaker like missed on breakers and then in the challenge and the ptq there were a lot more stoneforge mystic decks in the top eight it did significantly better in or at least like converted on its win percentage a little better in those tournaments and was more clearly oh okay stoneforge mystic is here yeah um yeah i i'm not i think stoneforge mystic will be an element of modern for sure Mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to be super popular or super like oppressive by mm-hmm. any means 
Yeah. Um, I think that it, it definitely is currently riding its wave of a ton of people are excited about it and trying it out, and that's going to kind of artificially inflate its success. Yeah. But I don't think that what we're seeing right now is really that indicative of its like true power level, in my mind. I think that it's just kind of medium and modern. Could be. Yeah. That's, that's possible. I mean, it did do pretty well in these online tournaments. That may just be because so many people were playing it mm-hmm. um, that it, it had a shot at doing that. I'm, have, I have a hard time parsing these Magic Online PTQ results. I don't know if they like show up wrong on Goldfish or if these, these tournaments are just this horrible <laughs> that there's four 9-0s and... 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. There's 16 X in ones. So eight of the X in ones miss top eight. Is that actually, that's not actually what happens in these tournaments. What is I've it? seen a lot before on about goldfish is that sometimes they chop off a round. Okay. That has to be what happened here. Yeah. Very frequently I look at goldfish and see like, oh, th- these are the ninos or whatever. And mm-hmm. then I go to the, like the wizards page and it's like, oh, you know, the actual record was like, you know, two ten nos mm-hmm. and then, you know, all this stuff. Still, if there's one more round... Uh, several X and ones did miss the top yeah, eight. Yeah, this this looks to have been an enormous tournament. <laughs> it was. It was well over four hundred people. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, they probably at least for the modern PTQs, they need to bring back flights or something like that, or yeah. like cut to top sixteen and then like have two people get the invite or something like that because this is crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so pretty big variety of stuff, like stuff that is showing up a lot that I've seen across all of these. Uh all of these tournaments this weekend are definitely some Stoneforge Mystic decks, Blue White Control mostly featuring Stoneforge Mystic, a fair amount of Grixis Death Shadow in a couple of different tournaments, few Titan decks, and then just like a peppering of like all of the classic modern decks. Affinity, yeah. Burn, <laughs> Bring to Light Scapeshift. Yeah. <laughs> Bring to Light Scapeshift. I know that we're not all like Blue White Stoneforge Mystic decks, but yeah. Bring to Light Scapeshift in a Force of Negation world seems like you got like a lot of four mana, five mana non-creature spells in your deck, and you're just asking to get crushed tempo-wise. Yeah, no, for sure. And while it is true, though, I don't think that, you know, there are like, I mean, there's certainly a, a good number of uh, blue-white control lists here, mm-hmm. but I don't think that Force of Negation is like a, like, I wouldn't consider it a super popular card mm-hmm. quite yet in Modern. I think that your majority of matchups, you're just, you know, not going to face that that card. So I think all of the blue-white decks, like, are having kind of a resurgence. Whether they are running Stoneforge or not, like, Force of Negation is a really powerful tool for the Jace, the yeah. Jace decks. No, absolutely. Yeah, it is definitely a staple in these decks, for sure. So, um, so certainly expect it there, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Yeah. The resurgence of Grixis Death Shadow is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Death Shadow needed to figure out how to beat Burn, mm-hmm. and Stubborn Denial is how they've pretty much always done that. Yep. So they're they're back on that. Seems like, uh, and Stubborn Denial seems pretty well set up for the current metagame, I would say. Well, we talked last week about how generally like counter spells were better mm-hmm. because you're not just like on the draw and your opponent did their powerful thing on turn one with faith, Faithless Looting, and your right. counter spells don't do anything anymore. Yeah. So Stubborn Denial is in that broad category of just counterspells do a thing now. Right, yeah. And not many humans around. I I haven't seen many humans in really any of these tournaments. That's really good for Death Shadow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I don't know how this stuff will develop going forward. If we're... 
I mean, is the idea that, like, even though we're, like, Grixis Death Shadow in particular is a really good choice when people are doing, like, kind of fragile, unfair stuff. So it's not great against graveyard decks because that's really resilient, unfair stuff. Yeah. That it doesn't matter how many thought seizes or stubborn denials you have, they're going to keep getting threats back. But against, like, Storm or Ad Nauseum or something like that, you know, or just, like, decks that are doing a powerful thing, but, like, doing it on one angle that's, on one axis that's vulnerable to this disruption, that's the kind of metagame that Grixis Death Shadow really preys on. Is the idea, I guess, that, like, a lot of these fair decks are, if they're leaning on Stoneforge Mystic as their card advantage engine thing, like, Stoneforge Mystic just isn't that good against death shadow or like because i i wouldn't pick death shadow as my like we're going into a more fair meta game i want to play this deck like you don't you know death shadow isn't good against jund and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm not really sure and kind of on paper it feels like you know aside from the linear matchups that i think improve Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of like these mid-rangey matchups feel like could be pretty bad for death shadow mm-hmm. but you know the thing about death shadow is that it's it's not like against those matchups it's never less than like a 45 percenter you know you're still playing thought season to threats uh, that are you know really big and really fast and can definitely catch the uh, mid-range player without the key cards that they need to keep up and, and die um so i think your matchups there are fine um and then you know in combination with that your matchups against the rest of the field is probably much better mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like one of the decks that, you know, looking at, like, this list of decks that we're looking at right now, it, it's probably doing a really good job beating up on everything that's, like, down below. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the decks that rose to the top, you're not going to have a great matchup against, but most of the decks that just kind of, like, made up, like, the belly of the tournament, you probably had a pretty good matchup for. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, like, you know, Grixis Shadow has always been kind of able to deal with random stuff pretty well mm-hmm. yeah. like you make a an early Gurmag angler you make an early death shadow you counter one spell and you can kind of get there against a lot of things so. mm-hmm. that would be my what i imagine is going on with Grixis death shadow yeah so what well, <laughs> except the one thing that we couldn't beat <laughs> okay. uh zan was streaming grixis for part of his stream the other night and i i hopped on to hang out with him and we played against oh <laughs> Yeah. snow the- like a basically like a snow theme deck like a cold snap theme deck uh, it was like modern horizons cold snap theme deck yeah it was like a modern horizons block constructed snow deck yeah uh highlights it, include uh boreal druid yeah yeah i mean obviously ice fan quaddle the one good card right. in the deck uh on thin ice yeah they're obviously scrying sheets which was pretty powerful because he kept hitting on it's thin ice. Just drawing with a it. card. Yeah, it's yeah. just drawing a card. All of your spells are snow and your lands. Yeah, we we just like, like you... had a threat in play. We were clocking them with it. They didn't have anything in hand. They activated scrying sheets, hit on thin ice, a removal of a spell, just swords to plowshares our threat, and we were just dead. Great. The they killed us with what is it? Merit Lage's Slumber, is it called? It's a <laughs> Love it. One in a blue for an enchantment. I think it is like whenever a snow permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one. And then when you have 10 or more snow permanents, you sacrifice it and you get Merit Lage. Um, and clearly we just could not beat that card because they kept scrying sheets into like, scrying sheets into like a cantripping snow permanent. They like... <laughs> 
hit astrolabe. You're like, oh god, that's an extra per- like that speeds it's up the clock by a turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, man, so yeah, De- Death Shadow cannot be that deck. What's the four mana uh, like XX or whatever? Oh yeah, <laughs> Abominable Tree Folk. Oh yeah, Death Shadow certainly we could not be that. Not hard. that. Yeah. Taps down your guy and then just taps to kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's large. <laughs> Yeah, so that was really funny. The deck that we played that night that I was really impressed with, though, is the updated version of Devoted Druid combo. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely talk about that deck. Yeah. So I've traditionally despised all of these green creature combo decks. Yeah. just haven't been where I've wanted to be. They're really bad against Lightning Bolt, uh, which was, you know, when Phoenix is the most played deck in the format, that's a really risky place to be. The versions now, they've gotten so much over the past couple of months. Yeah. So uh, Finale of Devastation and Eladomri's Call mean that instead of being a value, like hope that this collected company either hits like the value half of my deck or the combo half of my deck, it's just like get what you need. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. really good. And then the addition of Stoneforge Mystic to the package, both as, okay, we got to play this value game. Let's get an equipment and play a value game. Or get a Viridian Longbow, and now Stoneforge Mystic is a payoff to Vizier plus Druid. Yeah. Uh, the deck is just so resilient and so powerful, and it can put it together from so many different spots that I, I'm i now a totally totally on board with this deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been really impressed. Um, the It seems like Stoneforge Mystic added a lot to mm-hmm. this deck, because it... it it does everything that the deck wants to do. It acts as both a value card and a combo card. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just turn two Stoneforge Mystic, get a Batter Skull in the spots where you, you're, like, not set up to combo as much yep. is really strong. And, you know, even just, like, getting other equipments to put on your your duders. Right. You, a lot of times you end up with a board of random dorks that's mm-hmm. just never going to kill them in time. It's a Noble Hierarch and an Eternal yeah. Witness and, like, a Persisted Kitchen Finks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like, well, what am I supposed to do with these? The beats. But... <laughs> You put an equipment on them, and all of a sudden, as long as you're keeping a body in play, Mm -hmm. it's relevant. This also is just like the best giver of runes deck, because you both can protect Stoneforge Mystic, or you can protect full-on combo pieces, and uh, just was really impressive and really adaptable, and we made some mistakes and sequenced a little poorly, and it just never really mattered that much. Nice. The deck is just really powerful. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're going to make mistakes every tournament, so... Yeah. Yeah, so I would, like, if I were preparing for a modern tournament right now and, like, had some time and was going to do work, like, this deck would be where I would start, I think. Makes a lot of sense, for sure. What are you, are you thinking of anything in particular? Are you you kind of visualizing ways to attack this format that makes sense? I, I'll be honest, uh, all of this week has been legacy testing for me. That's fair. Yeah, I've kind of tacked up these IQs that we're going to this weekend to just all right, we can still play Burn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really think that the local meta will adapt super hard like Magic Online. I don't really expect to face a lot of Leyline of Sanctities. No, I don't. I don't expect to see a lot of Leyline of Sanctities. Yeah. So that would that, surprise me. Yeah. Um, for me personally, my thoughts have been pretty legacy oriented. Mm-hmm. But the you know the places that I want to start in modern um, moving forward after that I think are definitely highlights include the devoted Druid deck, mm-hmm. Wurza, and ad nauseum. Okay, yeah, I was wondering. I've got a note here: stack base combo question yeah. mark. Um, yeah, ad nauseum seems to be uh, pretty well set up 
just because the yeah just like you know linear spell combo i think is in a pretty good spot and ad nauseum is the spell combo deck that can you know beat up on burn still yeah which is nice and you know i don't know how long that'll need to be the case because i think once burn gets hated out you can go back to playing things like storm Mm -hmm. which will be you know pretty good for the storm players out there but uh for like right now i i do like ad nauseum's positioning It'll be interesting to keep an eye on Tron's prevalence in the format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know Tron was definitely one of the boogeyman's leading into modern for this past weekend, mm-hmm. and while it did put up some menial results, uh, it didn't do that great. Yeah. It didn't do nearly as good as I think how any of us expected it to do. Um, no, I kind of thought that given like the combo of London Mulligan, other decks not being that tuned, mm-hmm. Tron just like being inherently pretty powerful that it would show up but actually i think like between like all three of these top six top 16s i think there were only like one or two actual yeah. tron lists and more like twice as many eldrazi tron lists than regular tron yeah no for sure and i you know i do think that tron made up a good amount of the the belly of these tournaments sure. right the decks that don't end up doing that well but are like pretty prevalent in the early rounds mm-hmm. i'm certain that there was a lot of tron in, in all these tournaments starting off but, you know, we added a lot of burn to to Dallas. Yeah. Um, I certainly beat up on quite a few Tron players on my way to top eight. So. And Dallas tends to be kind of burn heavy anyways. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which yeah. is not a good thing for the people who do show up with Tron. Right. Yeah. And then also just kind of looking at these, you know, the, the premier events online, it seems to, like the decks that ended up doing well seem to be relatively well set up against Tron. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So like stuff like Valica, it's... Mm-hmm. Stuff like, you know, these... The Azorius decks, I think, are pretty well equipped. They have the tools that they need um, with, like, all the Field of Ruins and the Force mm-hmm. Negations. All those definitely add up quite well. Cryptic Command. Watching all of those matches play out, in Dallas, I was walking around a lot, and I definitely saw, like, Tron versus this, you know, Blue-White Stone Blade deck. Mm-hmm. And it didn't ever really look like it was going well for Tron. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a bad sign, then, if... Because one of the things that Tron, like, makes its money on is beating the blue decks. Right. And yeah. if this one is just set up that it has enough Fields of Ruin and the counter spells are powerful enough. Because the way you lost to Blue-White before was always, like, I didn't quite make a threat in time that resolved, and now they have a Planeswalker and they can counter all of my spells. Yeah. And these decks are really set up to do that. They have Tekkid, or not Tekkid, they have Field of Ruin to hopefully stop you from getting Tron ultra fast, uh, and then always have Force of Negation up as long as they have it in their hand, and it allows them to just resolve that Planeswalker once they have it. Yeah. So I can definitely see that just not working out. And that that if that is true, then that means that I'm not excited about Tron going forward. Yeah. Um, it's possible that running a bunch of Veils of Summer could help there, but... You know, like, if you don't have a good game one against these decks, then that's a bad, bad spot to be in. Right. Oh, for sure. Because you also have a bad game one, or a bad matchup against Burn and Storm and Ad Nauseum and, like, <laughs> the things that people are doing to try to, like, beat this metagame. And, yeah. like, what, do you, what are we beating at that point? Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, pretty happy to see that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that is adding a lot to the general enjoyment of this modern format for most players. It's just... like, yeah, Tron isn't really that, you know, oppressive right now, which is yep. nice. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I do think that 
the kind of idea that, ooh, we've got, like, a mid-rangey modern format, I think that that's, like, kind of a misleading idea. I think in general, yeah. like, spot removal is a little better because mm-hmm. there's stuff like Burn and Stoneforge Mystic and Devoted Druid combo that, you know, it, you're and you're not going to play against a bunch of Blood Gas with a Fatal Push in your hand. Yeah. Um, so spot removal is a little bit better, but I think Brian Gottlieb's article this past week for SCG just broke down like how many linear decks are in the top decks of these formats and it's still about two-thirds like proactive linear decks doing well so yeah absolutely just it's still modern yeah modern's gonna be modern you know even without faithless looting Mm -hmm. it's you know it's a whole new world out there but right still I I think proactivity ruling modern is still gonna be um the name of the game the cards are just too powerful like kill your opponent yeah I'm not really excited to just try to respond to what they're doing right because you can play against anything <laughs> yeah it, it's very wide open um which is good cool uh so we will see how modern moves going forward really excited mm-hmm. to see the developments i don't know how much it'll sort of collapse down or what exactly it will collapse into but yeah decks that i'm most into going forward are just urza in general and de- the Devoted Druid decks, I think, mm-hmm. just are super... I, I Not that they're, like, particularly... I, I don't know how well-positioned they are against anything in general. Just, like, the power level of the deck and the versatility of the plans makes it just a fundamentally good deck that deserves a lot of exploration. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's exactly where I would start for my next modern event. Yeah. But yeah. And, and I'm speaking as somebody who has just had absolutely no desire to play these decks in the past. They just <laughs> all looked like absolute piles to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you've, you've been known to pick up uh, Wurza in the past. Oh, so Urza, totally. <laughs> okay, I, I sure. just mean the like green creature combo oh, decks in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. Like no, those are the fair. least interesting. <laughs> no, I get it. I just have no desire. But yeah. now... When your deck is full of tutors don't like and the don't like the feeling of just running out of devoted druid and crossing your fingers, Come yeah, on. it's amazing. Like that got removed, <laughs> like that got majorly lessened from the deck because you just can start with a giver of runes and yeah. go into devoted druid. Like yeah. that's insane. Yeah, that's good. And sure. God, even if you don't have a combo, and even if they don't have vizier and they untap with devoted druid, like they're just they have so much mana that turn that it's still really bad for you. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Cool stuff for that deck. Definitely, definitely the thing I'm most excited about trying out going forward. Yeah. Um, but you have been working on some legacy. Indeed. Uh, you sounded kind of down about, you know, where you were at in the format when I talked to you a little while ago. I've I've been losing with everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Sneak and Show, uh, Nightlands, Mm -hmm. Depths, Reanimator, uh, Delver... I've tried out a lot of these. Nothing feels great. Uh, I'm still like searching for that deck that just really clicks with me. Yeah. Some of it is because these decks are, you know, pretty hated on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the the two decks that I I think I like the most right now are Reanimator, of course, mm-hmm. and and Depths. Yeah. Both of those decks are very heavily hated out mm-hmm. right now. Delver decks are playing crop rotation for Bog and. Uh, oh yeah, and Caracas. Oh yeah, I played one of those lists. Yeah, that the first time that happened to me, it was wild. <laughs> I, excuse me, <laughs> didn't certainly did not expect to get Caracas out of Delver. Nope. Um, so so that was pretty crazy. 
So yeah, uh, you know, what I look for the most when I'm testing like a wide variety of things is the deck that feels smooth. Mm -hmm. It feels like I have this plan that works really well uh, against, you know, all these different decks. And, you know, and a lot of people don't have like a ton of hate for what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. If, you know, I'm always looking for that sweet spot. When I'm when I'm like searching for for yeah. like which architecture, or your plan just like kind of keeps working, right? Yeah. yeah, and I I have yet to get there. I think okay, and it's probably because Magic Online is pretty self correcting, mm-hmm. and the decks that I have enjoyed playing the most uh, have been pretty popular lately. So you know, of course, they're going to get hated on a little more. Yeah, things that are still on my list to try out are um, the Delver variants. I think uh, I want to try out both. Uh, the Delver lists with uh, Elvish Reclaimer. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a lot about that, and I'm sure I'll let you talk about yeah. your thoughts there. Yeah. Um, and then I've also seen Delver lists with Hexdrinker. Mm-hmm. The most recent Legacy Challenge had two 6-0 Delver lists that were running three Hexdrinker, three Goyf mm-hmm. as their, you know, and four Delver as their kind of suite of creatures, which yeah. seemed interesting to me. It felt a little counterintuitive because of the prevalence of Ren and Six mm-hmm. and playing a 2-1 doesn't sound that appealing yeah you know you're like all of your one drops just died around in six it feels like because of that i it makes me want to play something like elvis reclaimer mm-hmm. uh that dodges run in six yeah and that that feels pretty good but yeah i mean so you've you've played more of the yeah um, the elvis reclaimers what do you think about that i played a couple of leagues with it it is so it it's a Team, straight up team or delver list. Um, we're not playing around with like thought seizes in the sideboard or abrupt decays or anything like that. Which is, I, I really do like bringing in thought seizes. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of the decks you bring in thought seizes against have Veil of Summer in the board, so <laughs> you know that's less exciting nowadays. Yeah. Um. But so this is straight up teamer, and its threat suite is switched around a little bit. So you get to run Elvish Reclaimer. Uh. It's like Elvish Reclaimer, Delver of Secrets, and the list that I was running had four Goyfs, but I, to me, like the one of the big bonuses of running Elvish Reclaimer is you can cut down on some of your Goyfs. Um, lately, I have just been having a hard time casting Goyfs and having them be good. Um, they're three fours a lot. Uh, I just like creatures in a lot of matchups, like a creature doesn't hit the graveyard until like several turns into the game, mm-hmm. and a two mana three four is just not acceptable. Elvish Reclaimer being a one mana three four, um, it's a w- turn one play as you said that doesn't die to Ren and Six, and that is huge. It like increases the number of hands where you are just like on the play. You get a trop, you play a one drop, you have days up, and that's always a really good feeling. Even though it's not threatening quite like I'm gonna deal lethal to you super fast the way a Delver might. Um, it does get three power pretty quickly, and that's the default mode. Is like this is a one mana guy that turns into a three four relatively quickly but you also run one dark depths and one thespian stage just to get them just to get them <laughs> and the way that usually works out is you're like playing a delver mirror and the ground got a little bit clogged up and you each bolted each other's delvers and attacking just doesn't really work so you combo off yeah or you got a little bit flooded or you were just like plussing this Ren and six for a while so you just have all of these lands so you turn them into a 2020 or what is honestly the most common way that you end up with a merit lage is you draw half of the combo so the cost of activating your elvish reclaimer once and then comboing off is so low that you're just like this is the best way for me to win the game it also just kind of makes your 
threat, less of a dumb creature, and more of a, I can do things with this when the game goes kind of sideways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've we've played decks where if our opponent plays a turn one Elvish Reclaimer, we have to think really seriously about Force of Willing it. And this kind of represents that same thing. We, ha- we are not going as deep in the combo, but having that one Elvish Reclaimer as your threat that can combo doesn't like it doesn't matter how deep you are on the combo the elvish reclaimer is still the same threat mm-hmm. um sometimes you draw the dark depths and it's not great but <laughs> you certainly don't count it or thespian stage really as a land in your deck construction process right um how many lands total are you running now so 21? yeah so it okay. well so it, that version and i think if you cut the goifs i think you can go to uh, like uh 18 actual lands and then the the Dark Depths and a Thespian stage. Delver um, for a long time ran like 14 actual lands if you discounted the Wastelands as well. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, for, I mean, 14 is definitely a number that it has been at before. Mm-hmm. So it's not completely unreasonable. Yeah. Obviously, if you choose to run True Name Nemesis or something in there, you've got to adjust your mana base accordingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Elvish Acclaimer. I, I don't know that this is the way the Delver is supposed to go. But it certainly made Delver play more like a deck that I'm like, I have, like, I enjoy playing this deck. I've got options here. I've got a cool one mana threat. And, you know, you run like one or two crop rotations if you want to. And then between those and the Elvish Reclaimers, you know, you're more likely to get combo if you want. And you can also sideboard a Bajuga Bog and a Caracas. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely next up on my on my to-do list mm-hmm. for, for testing things. Decks that I've kind of discredited at this point, there was uh, this kind of like hybrid lands Night of the Reliquary deck that mm-hmm. I was, you know, pretty excited about kind of going into this legacy format. What I've discovered is that the deck is just kind of really all in on resolving a spell. Mm-hmm that like doesn't really win you the game you're like trying to resolve like a ran and six and and have that carry you or mm-hmm. like resolve a knight of the reliquary and have that carry you if your opponent ever interacts with it your your deck is just air oh god <laughs> yeah so it feels pretty bad and you mulligan like pretty aggressively for a hand that can like play those mm-hmm. pretty early and then you know you play it and then your opponent like fatal pushes it or something yeah or, you know, or forces it. Abrupt decays it, so you, there's never yeah. anything you could have done to stop it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and and you don't run really any disruption. You you not running thought seeds. You not running counter spells. That was the main. So I, I hadn't really thought about that like one threat vulnerability. But the, yeah. my main concern was like this is a deck that its entire plan is like I hope wasteland stops my opponent from doing their powerful thing. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it really does. Yeah. You know, if you play against depths or whatever, you're you know you're gonna have a good time. But yeah, it. Uh, I was pretty underwhelmed with the deck's power level. It was kind of unfortunate. Yeah. When you're not playing blue in Legacy, you have to have, like, a really compelling reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm really looking for is another deck that mulligans to five really, really well Mm -hmm. and plays, like, this kind of, like, low-resource but powerful stuff game. Reanimator before was, like, the perfect answer for that Mm -hmm. just because, you know, you mulligan to four and kill them on turn one. Yeah. But just the concept now with London of being able to mulligan aggressively for, like, powerful stuff to mm-hmm. do uh, is still very appealing to me. So, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out kind of, like, where I want to end up there. Yeah. You know, Sneak and Show is another deck that I am still considering. Mm-hmm. I think it could be really good. The Delver matchup is really tough with that deck, especially now that everybody's playing crop rotation for Caracas. <laughs> that's... that's... <laughs> 
insane. Yeah. It's have this emerald, and you can have that back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not great. So yeah. So still very early on in my legacy testing, I would say. But um, the the Delver decks also, you know, this is like a small change, but the Delver decks have like an extra one or two forces as well. Like usually mm-hmm. like one more pre-board and 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 two like six total forces post-board or something like that. And that just makes it more likely that they've got force of will plus days, yeah. which you just can't, you can't right. beat. Yeah. And that's what I found is that the addition of the additional forces is huge, especially for a deck like Sneak and Show. Because mm-hmm. the way that Sneak and Show beat Delver in the past was you would charge up. You would like slowly yeah. sculpt your hand into being able to play out enough lands to fight through their soft counter magic. Mm-hmm. And then have enough counter spells for their hard counter magic so that the turn that you went off, you just plowed through their stacked hand. Because their stand is going to be stacked as well. Yep. But now they just have these additional hard counters that are free. So now that you're charging up, you need like w- way more things than like seven cards can hold in your hand. Because, you know, <laughs> one of those cards is just like a big fatty that is nothing. And then another one is just like, you know, this big awkward spell you have to resolve. Mm-hmm. So, and then even the matches where you're like, you draw a bunch of some a lot of the time you draw like multiple copies of show and tell multiple copies of sneak and show and mm-hmm. you're like slowly slamming them into counters and letting them all get countered to like slowly whittle away your opponent's stuff and then you have a turn where you like fight over stuff it's just you, you have to fight through so much now yeah it's crazy and if they ever <clears throat> start that red and six wasteland train on you like oh yeah you you can't play that slow game you just it, if they get that going you have to just go for it and right. hope and yeah. that's that's kind of rough yeah so you know if i find a delver list that i really like and is well tuned i'm mm-hmm. totally down to jam that i've you know i played a lot of delver in the past um and i would love to have a, a you know a solid delver list that I'm, I'm comfortable with so definitely doesn't take advantage of the london mulligan rule as well yeah as other decks yeah that's fair for but, sure I, I think that it's, like, the best, like, 7-6 to six deck you can have. Because if you're, like, aggressively mulliganing for your just, like, just the turn one Delver. Yeah. Um, I want Delver plus Force of Will. Yeah, I and... think your 6s can be really good. Mm-hmm. So so that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed playing some of these Delver lists. I definitely don't know what is the correct way to build it because there's, like, a vast spectrum of, like, number of colors you can play and what the threats people are playing. I mean, there's not that many threats. Like, you can count off on, like, less than two hands the <laughs> threats that you're allowed to play in Delver. Yeah. But it's, like, Delver of Secrets, Elvish Reclaimer, Dreadhorde Arganist, True Name, Run in Six. Did I say Tarmogoyf? I really don't Tarmogoyf. like I really don't like Tarmogoyf very much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in there, though. <laughs> I have altered Run in Six, which is a pretty nice... It feels good. Yeah. Like, they just, like... Like, miracles just kept swordsing my creatures mm-hmm. and like snapcaster swordsing and i'd like kill the snapcaster and then just like many turns later i just altered this red insects and then killed them with lightning bolts and it was yep. felt really good to be able to do that yeah no red insects is nice yeah yeah for sure that card is around uh, sticking around yeah definitely. i don't know if it's doing nice things to meta games but it's definitely <clears throat> it's a good card <laughs> nice in the it's very strong it's very nice. strong in the <laughs> like doing healthy things for the format nice I can't believe you can just get back wasteland with it and just keep wasteland it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah the other deck that i would love to play would be like some sort of like 12 post variant yeah, but not in the face of Renin Six. Renin Ren yeah. Six, Ren Six is killing two types of decks, which right. is elves 
and like like another deck I love. Decks. I yeah, love elves. You just can't play elves. I mean, maybe Mork is a plague engineer than Ren and Six, but yeah. neither of those things are good for you. Right. Although I will say that plague engineer, I haven't seen a lot of lately. There just like aren't many plague engineer decks hmm. around right now, which is weird. But I mean, maybe that's just. Because of low amounts of black mana. If you can make black mana, you should probably have a, a, a Plague Engineer or two in your sideboard. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, I, like, I don't know. Thoughtseize decks mm-hmm. seem to be not doing that great. Yeah. I think the best black decks are, like, linear combo decks. Yeah, which like, are not trying to play. Ad Nauseam, uh, Reanimator. <clears throat> They're not really messing around with it as much. No, definitely not. Um, I think that the, like, the four-color decks... I think the better version of like the four color snow decks or whatever that played Astrolabe mm-hmm. are not black. Mm-hmm. Like the it's like the closer to miracles version of things. Okay. And I also think those decks are just bad. So Yeah. You're playing some not legacy power level cards. <laughs> yeah. Astrolabe in Legacy is a trap. Don't do it. <laughs> Card sucks. Play, paying one <laughs> mana in Legacy is like a lot of mana. Right. Like you're really doing stuff. Yeah. You're putting a 3-2 You know how many cards you can draw for one mana? Three? <laughs> Not one, three. Virtually, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I've played against some wild stuff in these Legacy Leagues. Mm-hmm. I've played against... Uh, apparently, this one guy is, is known for playing this particular deck, which is just like Aether Vial singleton creatures or something like that great so he put such cards as mariki rebarret and don't know what that does uh so that is esper for a one one and you can tap her to take control of target creature and opponent controls and she doesn't untap during your untap step and if she dies or untaps it destroys that creature so she's like a weird control magic that if she happens before they draw the removal spell they can't even like kill her to get their creature back uh, and I also, like, he also played, really, the card that I should... Chris just typed into Google. <laughs> <laughs> I'm white, editing this out. White legendary creature exile. No. <laughs> Too embarrassing. <laughs> I love it. Mangara of Corindor. I oh, saw it okay. on the corner of my eye and, and, and recognized it. I didn't have to read the name. <laughs> but anyways, so at one point... They uh, vialed in Mangara of Corindor on my end step and then played a Scrib Ranger and then used it to exile both of my threats. Oh, God. So, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't able to beat that deck. Uh, yeah, nothing against you, man. <laughs> <clears throat> Can't blame me for that. It's all right. It happens. Yeah. But yeah, played against some wild stuff in Legacy. Uh, I think generally, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly what you're supposed to be doing, but mm-hmm. Delver has felt as always, yeah, pretty good, right? And you know, when everybody's, whenever there's like no general consensus, and mm-hmm. people are playing a bunch of like a big variety of stuff, Delver's a great default. Yep. So, yep. Should we talk about some Thrones of Eldraine spoilers? I'm in. Okay, great. Uh, we're not going to go over too many because yep. there's a bunch, and a lot of them really. I don't think we've seen like the most playable cards in the set mostly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but some of these are interesting. So I want to start off with Garrick, Cursed Huntsman. Uh, Four black-green for a five-loyalty Garrick. His zero is create two two, 2-2 black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. Minus three, destroy target creature, draw a card. And minus six, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three, plus three, and have trample. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how 
powerful this card is going to be. It seems like it's going to be pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I really like the design of this card. Yeah. The It doesn't have any pluses. Its only way of gaining loyalty is by having the creatures that it's zero make mm-hmm. die. Um, or leave the battlefield, die? Uh, dies. Dies. Okay. And then it has this ultimate that it can on, only get to if, you know, that's, that's happened. Right. Something about that feels cool to me yeah um it seems like it's gonna you know introduce some interesting gameplay for for that where it's not you know they they're definitely breaking the pattern which you know you and i have complained about quite a bit on this podcast of Mm -hmm. the the obnixilis cookie cutter planeswalker right this is Um, not definitely not that yeah yeah so it's nice that they're kind of messing around with like different um like design elements mm-hmm. it you know it certainly still has big planeswalker minus destroy creature kind of deal right it's just a really powerful effect to slap on there yeah as um, far as power level goes <clears throat> i do think this is a pretty powerful card i agree yeah like my big concern is like this is clearly a powerful top end for like a mid-rangey grindy black green something deck yeah like this fills that like vraska mm-hmm slot yeah six mana planeswalker that makes two bodies is really strong two bodies is great yeah my main concern is like if we're in a format where it's all about like doing stuff with nissa mm-hmm. then <clears throat> this might like a mid-rangey deck that like trades resources and then is like here's my giant planeswalker like yeah. that might not be a good strategy overall that makes sense for sure if it is though like this card makes me kind of regret like having a bunch of lilianas because this card just seems like a lot better it than does. Liliana. Yeah, it does feel better than Liliana. Making two bodies compared to Liliana's one, mm-hmm. I think, is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, this card feels closer to Elspeth than a lot of the Planeswalkers we've seen lately. Yeah. Elspeth was really oppressive because it was three bodies, and, and everybody was like, what? what are we going to do with that? Yeah. You know, but this one is, you know, it's two bodies. They're bigger. I definitely feel like that is uh, definitely up there on the power level. Yeah. And I mean, play patterns with this, just like visualizing any board where like you could play a Liliana or you could play a Garrick, like Garrick kind of does better on most of those things. Yeah. Your opponent has one creature. You get to kill it, draw a card, and have a Garrick in play. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Yeah, no, the fact that they stapled to draw a card to the destroy element yeah. seems that's that's really cool. Yeah. Uh if they have two creatures, you make wolves, mm-hmm. they really can't attack. Yeah. Because if they do You get this massive emblem. Yeah. And and like the emblem is not quite at like this isn't a teferi emblem yeah but you get to this amount like really easily as long as just one wolf dies then you get to it right and then that makes like every if you're playing obviously we're not playing like an explore type deck because those cards aren't legal and also haven't been good in a while but you know if you're playing that kind of like mid-rangey deck that ramps a little bit and has a bunch of random creatures utility creatures and stuff like that all of a sudden now you play your we don't have Ravenous Chupacabra, but if you played a, like a Ravenous Chupacabra type card, that's just now it's a 5-5 five, five every time you draw one for the rest of the game. That's big. That's really big. Yeah. If what you do is you minus this and then you play another Garrick hmm. and just make two 5-5s five with a zero. Also really big. Also really big. <laughs> yeah. So I think most boards, like this card is really good on, hmm. unless it's something with like, I'm going way over the top of you with field of the dead sure uh or i'm just like doing tremendous things with nissa because i do think field of the dead is still going to be quite good even without scape shift so yeah yeah i could definitely see it continuing to exist in like these really long game plan game uh, yeah. decks so yeah and that that would be exactly the kind of deck that 
like a removal-y, attrition-y deck that caps out at Garak would just mm-hmm. never be able to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Although, does this emblem give trample? It does. It does give trample. That's a pretty big game. So, you you might just, at some point, outsize them. If your right. Garrick is making two 5-5s five every turn and you're, like, casting yeah. some stuff, like... I'm, I can see it. Pretty good. Yeah. If you get two of these emblems, like, it's not like you can't get multiple emblems. <laughs> right. And yeah. if they're trading with your wolves that are giant, if they're trading zombies for your wolves, eventually you're just, like, gonna stack up a couple of emblems, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> cool that is cool i don't know i'm into this card yeah i agree if there's a deck if a mid-range deck is fine this is where it caps out probably yeah next is another technically six mana card this is a weird one that i've seen like vastly different evaluations of yep it's the circle of loyalty four white white for a legendary artifact this spell costs one less to cast for each knight you control creatures you control get plus one plus one Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. Three and a white tap, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. And since creatures you control are getting plus one, plus one, whenever you cast a legendary spell, you're really making a 3-3. Whenever you activate this, you're really making a 3-3. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems really neat. I, You know, when I'm trying to evaluate it, I imagine it's most of the time going to cost four mana. Mm-hmm. That just seems like the most reasonable curve out. Um, you know, potentially late game, you can play it for two, which will be nice. Uh, like, you know, two mana Anthem mm-hmm. uh, in the late game that just like kind of works with the curve. Seems like it could be pretty good. And then, you know, it's kind of tough to see how this like legendary spell thing is going to fit into deck building. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're trying to curve out with knights, you don't really have a ton of room for like you know really utilizing this line of text i don't yeah. think that you're going to be able to like play this card with a bunch of knights out and then start slamming legendary i just don't see a deck that mm-hmm. can be built to do that very well but incidentally being able to uh do that seems like fine i mean if if there's like several playable legendary knights is kind of what this card is asking you to have yeah, right then <laughs> then definitely right i the way that this thing plays out i'm a little bit it, it reminds me a lot of that artifact from M20 that I can't even remember the name of, but like people were kind of hyped about it. It's like the glorious anthem that you can also pay three mana and tap it to look yeah, at the top yeah, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the name of it because it's completely unplayable. <laughs> right. We tried early on in Vampires. But... Yep. And it just wasn't what that deck wanted. It, nope. Two mana intensive. This at least doesn't make you like activate it and then cast the creature you get with it. It's just making a 3-3. Three, three maybe that's a little better when you're trying to like grind through a control decks removal or something like that and the control decks won't have teferi anymore so they can't just like card advantage through anything so that's kind of nice but it feels like this is not the kind of card that's going to allow you to win important the important games against again stuff like nissa or stuff like field of the dead yeah absolutely if i had to make any solid predictions about this card i would say Limited bomb, constructed, miss. Yeah. Just a little hard to picture. But this is also the type of card that, like, we could end up wildly wrong yeah, on it somehow. absolutely. For sure. Um, and games where you go, like, one drop, one drop, one drop, turn <laughs> three, you play this. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know. That's sweet. That's something for sure. It'll it'll really depend on how many one-mana knights we have access to. Right now we've got the the vampire knight that's really good. Mm-hmm. The one that sacrifices the Dauntless Bodyguard. Is that still in standard? Nope, that's in Dominaria. That's gone. Yeah, right? we're, so we're losing... So also, the thing about Knights is it's going to 
be completely reliant on the cards in Thrones of Eldraine. Okay. It's yeah. going to be a one-set constructed deck, pretty much. Yeah. Ouch. Um, you know, we, we get a couple of cards. Yeah, we do get to keep Knight of the Ebon Legion from M20, but, you know, we're just losing the... We're losing History of Vanellia, obviously, which... Yeah. Like, probably for the best, because if you give History of Benalia support, you know, it was it's powerful when you have no knights in your deck. Right. So right. we don't really need it when it's pumping, like, the three creatures you've also cast alongside of it. Yeah, that's a yikes. But, yeah, so we'll see. Like, obviously, Circle of Loyalty depends entirely on knights as a tribe being playable. So it's a total yeah. miss if that just doesn't happen. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But the more one drops, the more playable one drops you get. The more if they give us some more good ones, I could see it. Yep. Uh, they get an insanely good land, too. They get a land that comes into play untapped, makes white, black, or uh, red, and you can only use this to cast knights or equipment spells. Huh. So Interesting. That if you have a bunch of knights of different, like one mana knights of different colors, like you may be able to construct a mana base that lets you do that. So. I could see it. Kind of cool. Some red knights. So we got some Mardu knights. Yeah. Of... Yeah. Right. They're in Mardu. Yeah. I assume that the way you end up building it is like with a splash more than anything sure. else. But I will say I'm not like super excited to build a knight tribal deck. No. no, no for sure. <laughs> That's not not really what gets my gears going. And last we have an incredibly interesting design. Yeah. So this is Rankle, Master of Pranks. This is a four mana, three, three legendary creature, fairy rogue, flying haste. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, choose any number of these. The wording is a little weird. Choose any number. What, what happens if I choose four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can you can do zero, one, two, or all of these things. And it is each player discards a card, each player loses one life and draws a card, or each player sacrifices a creature. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really tough to sort of like picture, like, when do I want to be doing this? When is this card amazing? Yeah. I feel like every time you hit them with this, you have a total of, like, ten different combinations that you can do. Right. You, As long as you are decent at parsing that and figuring out what is the best of those, nothing gives you ten options each time. <laughs> right. That's a lot of modes, and one of them is going to be pretty good. Yeah. I guess doing nothing is never going to be, like, insane, mm. so that doesn't really count as a mode. But right. yeah. I will say that, you know, this card seems appropriately sized to be able to connect pretty mm-hmm. consistently. I mean, you know, Flying Haste, 3-3 three, three for 4 mana, I think it's going to get in once. Uh, yeah. It's going to be pretty tough. You know, your opponent has to be really actively leaving up removal spells. And if nothing else, a 3-3 three, three Flying Haste is pretty good at hitting Planeswalkers. Right, yeah. So, you know, so it's got it's got the right, like, sizing going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the abilities feel weird oh yes <laughs> each player discards a card you know i can see scenarios where that'll be like fine yeah you like you know, maybe you if have you're, like a bad if you're card. hellbent mm-hmm. like that's clearly great yeah and then after that each player loses a life and draws a card you know could, so i could see you putting this in like some sort of like aggro-y deck where you know making your opponent lose a life and draw a card is like you know a little extra bonus sometimes well, and and think of it as like this is a four-power fly, haste flyer right. if you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. And then each player sacrifices a creature. You know, if you're playing, like, a, a deck that just, like, has a bunch of small dudes floating around, mm-hmm. I could definitely see 
that really being able to get your opponent pretty well if they have like one good creature and you have like a couple mm-hmm. of small creatures. Yeah. This ability could be really strong. Yeah. If you're like gutter bonesing or whatever, then yeah. yeah. It it's hard to really evaluate without contextualizing it and you know, whatever we've got going on in yeah. in a post Eldraine standard. So Yeah. But it yeah, definitely an interesting design. I guess technic okay, so I guess I mathed it wrong. I think there's eight different combinations because it's binary, so you can have two times two times two so that would be eight eight total choices of what you can do when you hit them okay so if anybody was out there getting tilted at me for for (laughs) figuring it wrong i'm sorry there you go yeah yeah it just it does not it is not clear how you use this card or what Mm -hmm. you do with it or what the default i don't i think that like one of the things is with most cards, with modes and stuff, there's like a default mode. And you're right. like, oh, Boros Trime. I'm usually going to do four damage with oh, yeah. that. I don't think there's a default mode with this guy. Maybe it plays out and we're like, oh, we're always making each player discard a card. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, I don't think so. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to parse. Boros Trime yeah. is a four damage burn spell. This yeah. thing is... This thing is wild. Wild. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of these cards in this set are going to be wild. <laughs> yeah. 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 The adventure mechanic is kind of cool. I am, have some problems with some of the visuals on certain of the adventure cards. Okay. Some of them just... The the green cards in particular, they have like the vine border. And I think it might just be that the art is like really complex and like has a lot of detail out towards the edges. And it just sort of like is super complicated and kind of overwhelms you. Some of the black ones look really good though. But that's also probably because the first black one I saw had Seb McKinnon art, and yeah, it, so that makes sense, <laughs> yeah, right? But set looks pretty cool. Yeah, great, great trailer. I'm concept. honestly really looking forward to the set. Yeah, I think that it's you know uh, it's going to add a bunch of like weird, interesting cards that are hard to evaluate, hard to play with, mm-hmm. um, and I like that in, in Magic. Yeah, so I'm um, yeah I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm definitely cool. I don't know if I'm more excited for it or for four sets to rotate out of standard yeah. just something fresh you <laughs> yeah. looking for yeah I, we've played with nexus of fate and teferi and all of their friends for long enough yeah. that i'm um, caught nexus of fate yeah i'm really ready to never play with or against nexus of fate again yeah, i'm down for that for yeah. sure cool well we talked about a lot for today yeah i i need you to rest your voice and not say another word for the rest of the day so <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up from Collins right there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. We really, really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. If you want to find us online, you can find us at mtggrindcast.com. If you would like to become a patron, that would be super, super cool. You can come hang out in the Discord. I will prepare another shipment. I'm going to start making sure to just do it every month, uh, shipping out tokens and pins and send out some hats and our playmat commission is actually almost complete i got a a colored in version of the sketch and so just need some highlighting and shading and stuff to get there Um, i need to show that to you actually Um, yeah can't wait so yeah got a lot of cool stuff and if you become a patron you can you know grab a lot of it you can have some of it yeah definitely we'd love to share it with you yeah you can find us go to our patreon directly at patreon.com slash mtg grindcast if you want to find us on social media podcast twitter is at mtg underscore grindcast i am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast collins is also on twitter at collins mullen and again thank you so much for listening and have a great week peace